Do you love Batman? Do you love Frasier? Do you love Seinfeld? Do you love Dr. Seuss? Do you love James Bond? Do you love Captain America? Oh, hell, do you just love everything that's nerd-related? I know I do. Well, you should come on over to a Nerds World podcast and listen to us, Justin and Andrew, talk everything that's nerd. Yeah, every two weeks, we delve into some random topic that we choose at the end of each episode, and we tell you the whole history of it, or as much as we feel the need to write down our history of it, and our favorite things about it. So come on over to a Nerds World, wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone to pod and gore your one-stop shop for everything horror now here's your host justin and brandon take it away boys hello and welcome to pod and gore my name is brandon my name is justin uh welcome to our seven episode yes it's six better than one (laughs) <laughs> I was wondering what kind of s- stupid pun you'd have for that. Um, yeah, so this week was my choice. I decided that I wanted to do seven. Now, while I know it's not a horror film so much as it is... It's super it creepy, is, at least. Yeah, it's creepy. I mean, it it's gory, so, I mean, that counts. Yeah. Or, or what it doesn't necessarily show in gore, you definitely, you know, leaves it up to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I've I've loved this movie for a long time. Um, I'm stoked to be able to talk about it. And yeah, had you seen have you had you seen it before? Oh yeah, I've seen it a couple times. This, uh, it, it's one of those that yeah, it's technically not horror, but it's gross enough you might as well consider it. And it's also one of the few that like a Silence of the Lambs where you could consider it like mainstream horror. Like it could I don't know if it won awards. I'm sure you'll tell us, but. You know, it's one I of those. I don't know if I actually. Right, I don't know if I actually took any responses. There, I could look it up after a little bit, but. Um, so, anything you want to throw in there before we dive in? No. Seven six All five right. four three two one go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so seven is um, it's a nineteen ninety five American psychological th- crime thriller. Um, filmed, uh, film directed by David Fincher and written by Andrew Kevin Walker, starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kevin Spacey, and Arlie Ermey. Oh, Arlie Ermey and John C. McGinley, even though he's in it for just a little bit, and I don't even know if he really has any lines of note. I was going to say, I don't even remember seeing him. He was one of the SWAT guys that busted into um, when they got the name yeah. of one of the guys, and then yeah, it was the um, I believe Sloth, the guy that was like worth all the yeah, the really skinny one, or he, he was still alive. He, yeah, 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 yeah. So when they bust into there, he's he was in that scene. He was one oh. of the one of the first guys to, to kind of pop in there. Oh wow, that makes me want to watch it again. I'm surprised that you didn't catch it. Right, I was gonna say I'm surprised at that you didn't catch that because I know you like that. I know you like uh, McGinley. Oh yeah, I just finished binging the whole series of Scrubs. Oh yeah, uh, you were talking about that Sand season nine, I believe. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So the film uh, tells the story of David Mills, who's a detective that partners with the retiring William Somerset to track down a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as a motif in his murders, which is one of the main things I love about the movie. Like, it, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of cool things about the movie. Don't get me wrong, but like the whole seven deadly sins angle is, I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, it gives it a different flair. And especially once it's all revealed and you actually see John Doe and he's explaining right, right. it, it makes it even creepier. Right, and see, that's the thing is like Kevin Spacey being what Kevin Spacey is. Yeah. Um, I, which sucks because it's like we were, I believe we were talking about this at work, like, the guy's just a horrible person, but the fucking performance in this movie is just insane. It's like... I know, he's been in some of the best movies ever, and he's was so good to be such a horrible yeah. bastard. Is like, it, it's almost tough to watch him and stuff now. It really is, because it's like you just sit there and and watch him, and even though he's kind of, you know got this really smug creepiness in this movie like you know there's just that extra layer of despicable that yeah. is a part of it and it's just it yeah it's gross um so back up here actually somehow scrolled down here uh the screenplay was influenced by the uh Time Walker uh, by the time that Walker spent in New York City trying to make it as a writer uh, pr uh, principal photography took place in Los Angeles with the last scene filmed near Lancaster, California. The film's budget was $33 million. And that was one of the things I took in my notes that it was like, you're watching it and it's a real New York vibe. Yeah. Like, it really just seems like it's in New York. But the only time it really doesn't is at the very end when they're you know driving the to the location yeah it's like well where the fuck did they go because yeah that's nothing a decent about point that i didn't even think about it it's such an iconic scene that i just kind of go with it but it's like where i've never been to new york probably never will but i don't know if there's anywhere no matter how far you go where you could actually hit desert yeah, yeah i don't think you'd hit like desert or anything like that like i know that the there's um I think it's upstate New York. That's a lot more. I don't know. Um, it's a lot more rural natural, and like green. Yeah. Um, maybe they're really far so, upstate. <laughs> maybe. Um, so the film was released uh, on September twenty second, nineteen ninety five, by New Line Cinema. Uh, seven was the seventh highest grossing film of the year, grossing over $327 million worldwide. It was uh, well received by critics who praised the film's dark style, brutality, and themes. The film was nominated for Best Film Editing at the 68th Academy Awards, only losing to Apollo 13. Fair enough. Um, the tagline for this film is, Let he who is without sin try to survive. Uh-huh. Um, so the cast, as before mentioned, Brad Pitt as Detective David Mills, and this will just help because in my notes later on, I, um, I don't, I'm not as crafty as Justin when it comes to writing down, <laughs> uh, like Frodo, 
for Elijah Woods, <laughs> kind of stuff like that. But um, so when we go off the notes or talk about those kind of things, it's uh, we'll just give you the quick cast here in case you didn't know, because there's only five. Yeah. Um, you got Brad Pitt as, de- as Detective David Mills, uh, Morgan Freeman as Detective Lieutenant William Somerset, Gwyneth Paltrow as Tracy Mills, which I forgot Kevin she was Spacey- in. Those. Oh yeah, I, I I don't know if I'll ever forget that she's in this just because of the ending. Well, and, yeah, that's and, the thing. Like I always remember the ending. I mean, that's it's the most famous part of the movie, but I never remembered who played her. What's in the box? Right. It was a rabbit. Just for anybody <laughs> curious. Right. Um, Kevin Spacey is John Doe, and a very young looking Arlie Ermey and as the police captain, which is kind of funny because, okay, so this movie is fit... Oh, it's 25 years old. Never mind. I was like, it's... God, time keeps slipping, man, because I was... Here I am thinking 1995. I'm like, fuck, that's not that long ago when it's uh, 25 <laughs> years Brandon, ago. we you need to accept it and we're, move on. We're, and then, we of course, Morgan old. Freeman just looks the same and has, sir, for what, since Shawshank? <laughs> yeah, he really does. Um, so the pre-production for the film, the primary influence for the film screenplay came from Andrew Kevin Walker's time spent in New York trying to make a screenwriter, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I didn't like my time in New York, but it's true that if I hadn't lived there, I probably wouldn't have written seven. He envisioned actor William Hurt as Somerset and named the character after his favorite author, W. Somerset Hmm. Magum. Yeah, it's very obvious that that. he doesn't like New York. Like, every Mm. single character hates their time there. (laughs) Right. Um, Jeremiah S. Chechik was attached to direct at one point during pre-production. Huh? Said he was also a bullfrog. He was a dear friend of mine. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that was so under the radar that it took me a minute to actually get where you're going with that. And people who aren't as old might not. Um, during pre-production, Al Pacino was considered for the role of uh, Detective Somerset, but he decided to do City Hall instead. Um, Denzel Washington and Sylvester Stallone decided to turn down the role of Mills. Washington later regretted turning down the role, and Robert Duvall and Gene Hackman turned down the role of Detective Somerset, hmm. and then Christina Applegate turned down the role of Tracy. I think it would have been a complete... Like, I'm not the biggest Gwyneth Paltrow fan. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, there's not a lot of movies that I'm a, that I'm a big fan of her being in. Right. Like, she's, great. she's, she's uh, fine in Seven, and I like her in Shallow Hell, but like... I don't hate her as an actress. I'm just like, I really don't care. Fair enough. But I really don't think I would like, I would have liked Christina Applegate as Tracy, even though I have, there's not a lot of things that I have seen her in that I didn't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I like her, but she seems, I don't know if, I don't know, too kind, I guess. Like she's too bright. Yeah. There's, I don't, yeah, there's something. I don't know what the word that I'm looking for, but it just doesn't fit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even with all these names, like, I could see Denzel Washington uh, playing Mills, but I couldn't see Sylvester Stallone playing Mills. No, and I'm glad we didn't. Right? Just like Al Pacino as Somerset, like, I don't know, maybe? Because, I mean, this is this is back, this is, you know, 95 Pacino, so that's like, what, around Heat? 
Hoo-wah. Yeah, he could have. Uh, he would have been all. Right. <laughs> um, the ending of the screenplay uh, with the head in the box was originally part of an earlier draft that New Line had rejected. Instead, opting for an ending that involved more traditional elements of a de- of a detective thriller with more action oriented elements. But when New Line Cinema sent David Fincher the screenplay to review for his interest in the project, they accidentally sent him the original screenplay sure. with the head-in-the-box ending. Um, at the time, Fincher had not read a script for a year and a half or so since the frustrating experience of making <laughs> Alien 3. Fair enough. He said, "I <laughs> fair enough. He said, I thought I'd rather die of colon cancer than do another movie. Jesus. Ouch. That seems a bit extreme. Uh, Fincher... <laughs> right um, Fincher eventually agreed to direct Seven because he was drawn to the script which he found to be a connect the dots movie that delivers about inhumanity it's psychologically, it's psychologically violent it implies so much not about what you did but how you did it he found it more uh, um, of a meditation on evil rather than police procedural when New Line realized that they had sent Fincher the wrong draft, the president of production, Michael DeLuca, met with Fincher and noted that there was an in, uh, was internal pressure to retain the revised version. DeLuca stated that if Fincher promised to produce the movie, that they would be able to stay with the head-in-a-box ending. Despite this, producer Copelson refused to allow the film to include the head-in-the-box scene. Actor Pitt joined Fincher in arguing for keeping the original scene, noting that his previous film, Legends of the Fall, had its emotional ending cut after negative feedback from test audiences and refused to do seven unless the head in the box scene remained. Hmm. Good for you, Brad Pitt. No kidding. Well, like I said, it makes the movie. It's the thing that everyone remembers from that movie. I mean, you can't talk about the movie Seven without somebody being going like, what's in the box? You can barely say the word Seven without someone saying what's in the box. (laughs) What's in the box? (laughs) And you can't just say it once because if I say it to you, you say it back to me, then somebody else said it's almost like that old commercial with the the ghost face mask where they they did the what's up. (laughs) What are you doing? Um, so the film, the film was shot over a long period of 55 days. Fincher approached making seven like a tiny genre movie, the kind of movie Friedkin might have uh, made after the exorcist. He worked with cinematographer Darius Kanji, Kanji, and adopted a simpler approach to the camera work, which was influenced by the television show cops. Hey, why are you so sweaty? Um, how the camera is in the back seat peering over people's shoulder. Hmm. Oh, that's how it is. Okay. Fincher allowed Walker on the set of filming uh, for one of the onset rewrites. According to the director, Seven uh, is the first time I got to carry through certain things. Um, Seven is the first time I got to carry through certain things about the camera and about what movies are or can be. The, crowd, uh, the crowded urban streets filled with noisy uh, denizens and, uh, and an oppressive rain that uh, seems to fall without respite were integral parts of the film, as Fincher wanted to show a city that was dirty, violent, and polluted, often depressing. 
visually and stylistically, that's how we wanted to portray this world, everything needed to be as authentic and raw as possible, which they nailed. Yeah. Although the city or state was never mentioned by any characters during the film, a sign can be seen in the background of a pizza restaurant called New York Pizza, in which Somerset and Mills visit. The restaurant, ironically, is located in Hollywood, California. Hmm. To this end, Fincher turned to production designer Arthur Max to create a dismal world that often eerily mirrors its inhabitants. We created a setting that reflects the moral decay of the people in it, says Max. Everything is falling apart and nothing is working properly. The film's brooding dark look was achieved through a chemical process called bleach bypass wherein the silver in the film stock was never completely removed was not completely removed but in turn uh, but which in turn deepened the dark shadowy images in the film and increased its overall tonal quality sweet yeah the head and, uh, the head in the bo- the head in the box ending continued to worry the studio after filming was complete After the first cut of the film was shown to the studio, they attempted to mitigate the bleakness of the ending by replacing Mills' wife's head with that of a dog, or by not having Mills fire on John Doe. However, both Fincher and and Pitt continued to fight for the original ending. The final scenes of Mills' ending, uh, the final scene of Mills being taken away in Somerset's quote from Ernest Hemingway were filmed by Fincher after initial filming was complete as a way to placate the studio. The original intention was for the film to suddenly end after Mills shot John Doe. Hmm. I, um, I kind of almost wish they just would have left it there. Because, like, you don't really need anything else. Like, you know that he was pushed to a spot to kill the guy. Yeah, I almost think it would have been a little bit more impactful if they had just gone bang and then credits. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because, I mean, it's um, it's nice like a- that it's like, okay, he's standing by his friend, partner, you know, they didn't get along really. They, You know, he was retiring and whatever. And that, right. you know, he came to his aid at the end. But it, it definitely, I think, would have been a shocker if they had just played it up like oh he's not going to do it he's not going to do it bang he does it done yeah um like if there's like a director's cut or something out there where it like that's the ending like it cuts that out yeah i'd be i i would i would like that because you don't really you don't really need the ending like him being taken away and saying you know we'll take care of him and all that kind of stuff just no i mean it's it's bringing to mind the hollow man ending where all the you know, the fire trucks show up and the ambulances and they're all outside of the building and then everything's mm-hmm. fine. And it's like, okay. <laughs> um, so the box office seven was released on September 22nd, 1995 and 2,441 theaters where it grossed us 13.9 million on its opening weekend. It went on to gross 100.1 million in North America and 200, 27.1 million in the rest of the world for a total of 327.3 million making it the seventh highest grossing film of the year the film also spent four consecutive weeks in the top spot at the u.s box office in 1995 that's a lot of money yeah especially it made for almost 300 million dollars profit in 1995 yeah. i'll take that i mean that uh yeah right 
I mean, I mean, 33 is still a million. I was kind of thinking about like with Halloween 2018, how it made 250 million off of what 10, but I don't know, 300 million, 330 almost. Um, the film was well received by critics and holds an approval rating of 81.9 on review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes based on 74 reviews with an average rating of 7.76 out of 10. The site's critics consensus reads a brutal, relentlessly grimy shocker with top performances, slick gore effects, and a haunting finale. The film has a score of 65 on a Metacritic based uh, on Metacritic based on 22 reviews. So this is a cool thing that I was not aware of. In 1995, a novelization with the same title was written by Anthony Bruno based on the original film. Hmm. Between September 2006 and 2007, a series of seven comic books were published by uh, Zenoscope Entertainment with each of the seven uh, issues dedicated to one of the seven sins. Wow. It's told the story. It's told. Uh, it told the story from the perspective of John Doe rather than the two homicide detectives of the film, and gave John uh, gave uh, gave Doe a backstory. Each issue included contributions by a group of uh, creators, independent of each other. All seven issues were collected in trade paperback form, and released on January fifteenth, two thousand eight, as seven, edited edited by David Seedman and Ralph Tedesco. Well, I want that. I want that too. I had no <laughs> See, it's like and when I said I had no idea, like I mean, movies get novelizations all the time. Sure. But I didn't know I didn't know that there was comic books. Yeah. Look it up is on really your computer, cool. see how much it is on Amazon. I'm looking it up right now, Amazon. There we go. So, looking it up real quick. Oh. <laughs> About 5 bucks. Huh? About five bucks. Um, go ahead and add three hundred and forty to that. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's because uh, it says there's six used and one new available on there. Um, yeah, that's definitely not the route we're gonna go. Even though the um, the cover looks really cool. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, each of the covers look really cool. Yeah, I definitely want. I would definitely like to try to find those. Yeah, it'd be it may be digital. Yeah, I'm like pretty sure you can find them digitally. Kind of yeah, um, I have to check a few of the different places that I I check out comic books on. Because yeah. even even clicking on the shot. Okay, so here we go. Um, on eBay, Top Shelf Comics has the set of seven for eighty bucks better and now while that's a that's a lot of money it's not I mean, 350 just bucks. over 10 yeah that's a lot better uh ebay has a two three and seven for 40 i don't want to have to piece the shits together you yeah. know what i mean but yeah we'll have to continue that look later mm -hmm. um so i have some fun facts here oh, fun yeah, well, in, in order to save some time, I what I did was I... Um, Read through them so you don't repeat copy, yourself? No, <laughs> I just copied and pasted the link so I didn't have to uh, type everything out. Uh. Um, so as a preparation for his traumatic scene in the interrogation room, um, 
Leland Orser would breathe in and out rapidly so that his body would be oversaturated with oxygen, um, giving him the ability to hyperventilate. He also did not sleep for a few days in order to achieve his character's disoriented look. Hmm. And um, he's the one that was um, with the razor... Yeah. With the razor piece. Um I was yeah, trying to he's look been and in see a lot of stuff. What, yeah, he has. Um a lot of T V shows. Mm-hmm. He's in the he's in the taken movies. Oh really? Um let's see, so David Fincher told Kevin Spacey and Brad Pitt, this is not going to be the movie that you're remembered for, but it may be a movie you're incredibly proud of. Um, which, uh, yeah, it's a, I would be. Brad Pitt fell while filming the scene in which Mills chases John Doe in the rain. Pitt's arm went through a car windshield requi- uh, requiring surgery. Ew. The accident was worked into the script, coincidentally. The original script called for Detective Mills to be injured during the sequence. Uh, Brad Pitt bought his own ties for the movie. Uh, he wanted Mills to have poor fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All of John Doe's books are uh, were real books written for the film. They took two months to complete and cost about $15,000. According to Morgan Freeman, two months is about the time it would take the police officer to read all the books. Uh, depends on if they're speed reading. Sure. Oh, take the police, as in maybe all of them? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so David Fincher was impressed with Gwyneth Paltrow's work in Flesh and Bone from 1993, uh, which I have not seen. She was the first choice for the uh, role of Brad Pitt's wife. Uh, Paltrow was initially not interested, so Fincher asked her then boyfriend boyfriend Brad Pitt to convince her to meet with him. Oh, well, there you go. You had an in. (laughs) I was going to say, weren't they together for a while? Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, David uh, David Fincher thought Morgan Freeman would turn down the role, thinking he'd feel the he'd feel that the movie was too down market. But he was the first one to eagerly eagerly join the cast, which doesn't surprise me. With like, obviously, yeah. we don't know Morgan Freeman as a person, but I could just picture him being like, "Yes, yes, I would. I would love, you know, I'd love to." I think it's okay if you don't try and do a Morgan Freeman voice. <laughs> That, I can't do a Morgan Freeman voice. I just I know. <laughs> tried to. Yeah. No, I can't do Morgan Freeman. Not many people can. Like a Twinkie. Uh, like a Twinkie. <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, David Fincher said on the DVD commentary that he felt bad for the actor who had to wear all the hot, heavy, gluttony prosthetics. Mm-hmm. So, to compensate, he made him well endowed. Hmm. Oh my god! Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I never really um, I didn't pay attention, so I don't, I didn't, I don't remember seeing a. I feel like you're covering overly and down. Yeah. <laughs> um. So David Fincher said that he wanted someone who was incredibly skinny, around ninety pounds, to play Victor. When Michael Reed McKay auditioned, he weighed ninety six pounds. Fincher gave him the part and jokingly told him to lose some more weight. Much to his surprise, McKay had lost another six pounds when uh, filming had started. Jesus. And I believe that he p- probably was the sloth. Yeah. 
you know. Yep. Oh I my would imagine goodness. So. Did you know that he was Jason one four three in X two? I don't know what any of the he, things you just said it mean. Uh, in X Men two, Jason one four three. I, th- I believe he was the mutant with the uh, mind powers. Oh. 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 Okay. Yeah, he's Striker's yeah. son. Yeah, that, that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um. He he played Antonio Diego, aka Bane, in Batman and Robin. That's okay. When he was all when he was all skinny before he bulked up. Oh, okay. And I was he, like, that doesn't make sense, but okay. Yeah, that makes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he also was the mummy in Monster Squad. Oh. He's done a lot of things. Indeed. Um, I didn't know he was the mummy. That's super cool. Um, now he's your new favorite. So, uh, huh? So now he's your new favorite. <laughs> no, but the makeup for the sloth victim did take over fourteen hours. Jesus. Uh, when Mills lists movie uh, motives that killers give, one of them is Jodie Foster told me to do it. John Hinckley Jr., who was obsessed with Foster, attempted to assassinate President Ronald Reagan in March uh, on March 30th, 1981, in order to impress her. Mills also said, my dog told me to do it. David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the son of Sam, a serial killer who terrorized New York in the summer of 1976 and 77, claimed that his neighbor's dog was possessed and told him to commit murder. Right. Uh, the filmmakers decided that it should always be raining. Yep. Um, David Fincher wanted the credits to look like a killer had written them, which he achieved. Um, Brad Pitt said Gwyneth Paltrow's character is the only sunshine we have in the film. Yeah. For uh, for the gluttony scene, seven crates of cockroaches were released on the set and poured on by Bob Mack. Something had to be put in Mack's ears and nose to stop the cockroaches from crawling in. It didn't stop them from crawling into his underwear. Yep. <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> um, Brad Pitt said one of the reasons why he took the role was to escape the cheese after doing Legends of the Fall. Okay. Original, originally, Morgan Freeman drew his pistol with his finger on the trigger. Police officers uh, that were on the set as technical advisors quickly corrected them, as that is not co- uh, correct police procedure. Yeah, you never put your finger on the trigger unless you're about to pull it. Yeah. Um, a cockroach expert used Vaseline to keep the bugs on set. Like how? Like what? What do you have to be doing in life to do? Be like, I'm going to be expert? a cockroach expert. Yeah. I don't know. But I want to find it's out. Odd. Right? Uh, Brad Pitt considers this this movie to be one of the most perfect films he's ever made and earned $7 million for starring in it. Hmm. Um... In 2001, the Patriot. In 2001, the Patriot Act gave the government the ability to monitor library records. Something which, at one point, halfway through the film, is stated to not be necessarily legal. Um, that's uh, Val. Uh, Val Kilmer turned down the role of John Doe. That would have been interesting. Um, 
Right? I could I could have saw that. I mean, he he can get weird. Yeah. Um, the Andrew Kevin Walker wrote the script over the course of two uh, of a two year period while working at a branch of Tower Records. Um, was voted the eighth scariest film of all time by Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, the box of photographs at the sloth scene had uh, has written on the side to the world from me. Hmm. Um, the word fuck and its derivatives are said uh, discernible 74 times throughout the movie. Mostly by Brad Pitt. Of course. Uh, Guillermo del Toro turned down the chance to direct because as a romantic, he didn't subscribe to the script's dark view of the world. (laughs) Okay. Um, We'll end it on this one right here. Oh, never mind. Um, A metronome shown in one of the scenes is is often symbolic of patience, steadiness, and making order from chaos. It also marks the passing of time as Somerset waits and waits. There's a lot of waiting in this movie. Yeah. Um, the original script had a strange dwarf-like woman as part of the forensics team appearing in every one of the cleanups after a murder and hurling foul language and um, epithets, epithets? Epithets. At Somerset, yeah, at Somerset Mills. That would have been funny. Um, Which is why I'm glad so it wasn't bef- there. <laughs> I feel like that would have um, broken the so mood a bit. It might have been, yeah. Like I'm glad that there wasn't really a whole lot of comedy in this movie. So for those that may be not aware of what the seven deadly sins are, um, you have lust, which is... Um, it says lust, to have an intense desire or need... But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman, Leslie, has already committed adultery with her in his heart, which I guess is script. These are all scriptures. But you have lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Um, so, yeah, okay, here, the, this is the last one. And this, uh, this kind of goes, uh, calls back to Brad Pitt wanting to get away from the cheese essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did not take his shirt off in the film because Legends of the Fall, just the year before, had made him a sex symbol. Still, he won won the MTV Movie Award for Most Desirable Male for the role (laughs) anyway. (laughs) So he he even tried to get away from it. Um, So, oh my goodness. Uh, Kevin Costner and Nicolas Cage were both considered the um, role of Mills. Nah, I'm good on both of those. Um, So that's really all I have before we actually dive into the movie itself. You got anything? Let's get her going. All right. So um, it start the movie intros in on um, Somerset. You know, doing his morning routine. Uh, Kind of focuses in on the chessboard as he's walking by. Which kind of was the first thing that kind of made me think of like, oh, you know, this guy's smart. You know, mm-hmm. chess is a is a is a thinker's game. Um, and then she kind of shows how meticulous he is. I don't know if it's that or if it's OCD, where he's got everything lined up and ready to go. Things are lined up in straight fashion. Right. Um, pops on the metronome as he's laying down. I wrote down either to relax or he's meditating. Um, 
I hadn't seen the movie in a long time, so I didn't remember exactly if there was more to that. Uh, so they uh, show up at one of the crime scenes right before he meets, um, before Detective Mill shows up. And uh, Somerset being the genius that he is, he's, you know, he's asking questions, but the the cop that's there with him is just a super dick. Like, yeah, I was trying to you know, remember. He's asking, the... he's asking about the kid, and it's like, why are you asking so many fucking questions? We can't wait till you retire. Get the fuck out of here. And yeah, it's like, that's right. It's, it's, a, it's like, it's a cop. Like, what are you doing? Someone's yeah, killed. And it, it's, it's something that isn't really picked up the rest of the movie. Everyone else, like, Army is Hammer's trying to get him to, or not Army Hammer, but uh, is trying to get him to take oh, cases. Army? Yeah. And yeah. he's like, hey, do this, do this, and Morgan Freeman's like, yeah. the hell with you, I'm retiring in a week. Like, this yeah. cop kind of comes out of nowhere to be a dickhead for no reason. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't really fit, like, at all, but it's like, it's also like, you know, maybe it's just to be like, hey, you know, Somerset's so fucking good at his job that people are, you know, tired of looking bad because this guy's so goddamn good. Yes. Um, so... Mill shows up, kind of meets Somerset. Um, they're kind of going back and forth a little bit. Um, he definitely kind of has this... Um, I wouldn't say... I, I wrote down hothead vibe, but he's really, like, eager. Like, he yeah. shows up. Like, he's this hotshot detective, you know, that... Trying to make um, his mark. and Yeah. And, like, he's like, you know, I've been a detective for five years. He's like, you know, almost like he feels like he's being talked down to, but, like... At the same time, you you kind of can tell that he... I wouldn't say he's in over his head because he just got there, but he's definitely not even near the same league. Right. Um, so you find out that um, it's seven days until Somerset's done. He's over, quits, retires, whatever. And then we pop into the credits, which... It's kind of par for the course for this type of movie, I feel like, where you have, like, the um, off-putting music, like, weird sound effects, um, it's, the it, credits being all kind of shaky. Yeah, it gave me a flashback to uh, American Horror Story, but not quite as, it did. you know, grungy. Yeah. It was like, yeah, exactly that. Like, I... I was trying to think. It's like I've heard, I felt like I've seen something like this before, but I haven't watched American Horror Story in a, in a little bit. Um, so then the credits are going through. It's like uh, it kind of shows John Doe. It's like um, you know, shaving off the fingerprints, uh, assembling. I, I wrote down a scrapbook, but it's basically I believe the book that, or one of the books that Somerset finds later. Probably, yeah everything being handwritten mm -hmm. um so they show up at the the first house which was just like you walk in they walk in and it's i mean it's dark but it looks so dusty yeah like it's definitely I, like, like it's nasty almost like and hasn't been cleaned in ever and yeah, it's kind of like at work when, you know, they haven't swept the floors in a while and the dust is just sitting in the air and you're like, God, this sucks. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, dark, dusty-ass house. It's gross. There's roaches. Um, 
And then they continue to walk through. They find the obese body that is um, face first in the spaghetti. Yeah. Uh, the thing that, uh, like, it, I remember that uh, they're, <laughs> they're asking the detective when they arrived on the scene, they're like, uh, the guy's like, we didn't fucking touch anything. You know, we didn't, we didn't touch him. He's like, well, is he dead? He's like, I don't know. I didn't touch anything. <laughs> he's like, but his face is in the spaghetti, so if he's Probably if he wasn't dead, dead he's dead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, the other thing that I thought was kind of um, like the house was stocked up, so like the guy was prepared to you know feed this guy to death with just spaghetti sauce for days. Yeah, just and, jar which after makes me jar. Want, like some of these. Like, we get into Sloth, and he's been doing it for, like, a year, but it, it's mm-hmm. interesting, like, how was he able to do this and get all of this, unless he had it already, and that's why he picked right. him. Well, I mean, if you think, like, I really do think that a lot of this stuff is long conned, yeah. because, like you said, obviously, Sloth had been going on for a year. Right. Um... I mean, unless unless um, Gluttony was already obese. Well, he was definitely like, already obese. That, that'd be why he picked him in the first place. True. But it's whether or not um, he had the shit ton of spaghetti. Yeah, I don't feel like you could... I mean, they weren't in a pandemic, so like going in and buying massive amounts of food like that, you think would maybe raise some eyebrows, but... A palette of Cheez-Its? Maybe not. <laughs> a hammock of um, cake? Yeah, and so Somerset, uh, I, I he's calm, he's quiet, he's, you know, observing, taking everything in, he's looking around the crime scene, um, discovers that the body is bound, and the entire time, Mills just, he just won't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> he's just talking and talking like, I know, like, I know what's going on. And, and then he's he, reminiscing he, like, he's about like, an old case and shit. And... Yeah, and he's like, can you uh, stop talking, please? <laughs> And then finds the vomit bucket under the table, which, mm. I mean, I'm glad it was vomit and not, like, I mean, vomit's gross, but it could have been a lot worse. Sure, sure. Unless the guy just made him sit there. Um, so, during that whole time, it's coming, like, Mills doesn't seem to like to be told anything because uh, Somerset wants him to go and talk to the neighbors and go talk to, you know, go ask questions, but he doesn't feel that he should, like it's, it's beneath him to do the detective work, even though he's a detective. Well, I I think he feels like he's being dismissed. Like let the big dogs do the real work and you go, you know, canvas the neighborhood. Mm hmm. Yeah. He definitely wasn't too happy about that. Um, so then obviously, you know, gluttony, he was, Eve was forced to eat to death, which you find out during the autopsy that what his stomach exploded or in, well, so, I think so, what something they said inside. Is like he kicked him in the stomach to make it explode. Oh, really? I didn't catch that. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So like he he gorged him so much that his stomach was ready to pop, and then he popped it. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. He's not a nice um, guy, this John Doe. No, not at all. So, you know, 
not surprising given who plays him. Sure. Um, so they they get back to the the police department, and Somerset is explaining like he's breaking things down, and it all makes sense. But like he keeps getting shut down. Like, no, nah, this isn't, you know, this isn't anything big. And I was like, I'm sorry though. Like, if you show up at a crime scene and it's that elaborate, yeah, this like, guy wasn't I, like I, this doesn't happen in a vacuum unless they really hated no, this one guy. Right. It's definitely something like that is not a one-off. I would feel, but they definitely feel that it is, and that he's you know basically blowing it out of proportion. Mm. But was saying that um, he thinks it's bigger than what it seems, and it shouldn't be his last case or Mills's uh, first case. Right. Which honestly, I don't think <laughs> that would be a heavy case to start out with. It's like, hey, you move to a new RSC, and their first job is something like super heavy. You're like, oh. Fuck. But I don't want to do that. <laughs> no. Um, so they arrive at an, uh, the next uh, scene, you know, the next crime scene, because mm. uh, the first one was gluttony. The second one is greed. And so they show up, um, and while uh, so, uh, Mills sits down at the desk and he's watching the press conference that's going on downstairs, the... Um, the the photo of the victim's wife is like dead center right in front like mm-hmm. you can't miss it um with uh like blood with blood uh circled around the eyes uh kind of like glasses and then the word uh, greed is written in blood um on the wall. which is a trip well and it's worth well, noting thought, that uh, no, it's somerset the greed was written on the floor oh no yeah it's, yeah it was on the floor uh, some, uh, yeah, Morgan Freeman wasn't at this scene. Brad Pitt was just mm-hmm. called to another crime scene, and it just so happened right. to be, you know, the, the next, next one, one in the series. Right. Um, and so they're kind of going. They're going through all that. Uh, lost my place here. Hold on. Um, there's not a real whole lot going on with this scene, like. Um, they do, they look around, they see what's going on, but it, it's not until later when they come back mm-hmm. and kind of dig in more. Um, the thing that I was going to say is out of the uh, seven deadly sins, we only get lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, and pride, but then the wrath and envy, that's right. Okay. I was thinking, I was like, I remember only really seeing... Yeah, I was writing them down as they were going in part of my notes, too, on my scorecard, and I I think I only got to, like, four or five. But Wrath and Envy is John Doe. Right. Yeah, so... uh, Spoilers. Envy, well, spoiler alert, Envy was John Doe, and Wrath was uh, Detective Mills. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, see, that's the thing, though, is because, like, with... With lust, that one was like really quick. I feel like gluttony and sloth had a lot of time on it. Yeah. Uh, greed was really glossed over. So was um, lust, which I was fine with, given how Gross that was. one was. That's uh, disturbing. Yeah. Um. So they um. Um, Mills asks him what uh, what the hell is he going to do when he retires oh no that wasn't Mills they're um, back at oh this is yeah that, that's right you're right um, 
Somerset's back in his office typing something on a typewriter. And then Ermy comes in and asks him, you know, what he's like, what the hell are you going to do when you retire? He doesn't think he'll be able to do it. It's like, it's, you know, you're a goddamn cop. Yeah, you're always blood. be a cop. Yeah, you're always going to be a cop. Um, and then he's telling a story about how a guy was killed and just doesn't understand it anymore. You know, like the world is just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, I'm done. Um, and I was talking about how crazy, um, how young that Arlie Ermy looked in this movie. But then I was like, you know, it was 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, sets down a little jar of what looks to be like plastic. So he decides to go back to the crime scene. And of course, his, uh, his clever geniusness finds that the plastic shavings that were, it, that were fed to the gluttony victim were uh, shavings from the floor, yeah. um, pulling up, like moving the uh, refrigerator, and then discovers behind it that the word gluttony is written in Greece with a, a note saying, uh, long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to the light uh, by Milton. Milton. Um, duh, 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 duh. Mentions that gluttony was written in Greece, the seven deadly sins, and that we can expect uh, expect five more, which, yeah, like, if you don't think that there's more going on to it now, you, I, I feel like I would have thought that after I saw Gluttony, <laughs> you know, it's like. Well, I mean, because eh. they already knew that uh, greed was on the floor of the lawyer or whatever. The Gluttony thing they didn't even know about, and so once he found that, it's like, okay, oh, obviously this is all connected. Okay, fair enough. Um, so he goes to the library to do some research, um, and the uh, the security guards let him in. They're upstairs playing poker. Mm -hmm. Questions why, with all the books and all the knowledge at their fingertips, why they would choose to play poker all night. Because reading's for nerds. Um, yeah, you fucking nerd. <laughs> um does a bunch of research and then leaves an envelope on Mills's desk because I think at this point he's still planning on leaving and so he was what giving some notes on Dante's uh, Inferno yeah um, and the funny thing is the next scene it shows uh, Mills sitting in his car he doesn't like he's trying to read the book and it's just reading uh, reading is hard and so he gets mad, throws out some choice profanities because, what, it's 1995 and they said a lot of bad things back then in movies that you can't or shouldn't say now. Yeah. Um, and then a cop knocks on the window and has him, hands him what looks to be a, an old school, like, Amazon, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, like delivery uh, envelope mm -hmm. and then opens it up and it's basically just the cliff note editions of the books that he's supposed to read. Yeah. Um, and so they're both back in the office having the back and forth. I like that uh, um, Mill's wife calls and he's like, don't call me at work. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and then she wants, <laughs> she wants to talk to Somerset and invites him over to dinner but the funny, the, the thing that made me laugh is, like, she called him a dingleberry over the phone. Oh, I didn't even get uh, to catch she, that. Yeah, 
Yeah, she um, she wants to talk to Somerset, and um, after calling him a dingleberry, yeah. is invited to dinner, and then like when she opens the door, he's like he says to, he's like hi loser, and she says hi idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I like their relationship because it's similar to the one that I have. <laughs> um, and the thing that kind of made me laugh is like when they're being like I guess formally introduced, and she's she's like um. She says that his name is David, and he's like, "Oh, like like it was a secret." Like, "Oh, why'd you tell him?" Um, you know, so eating dinner. Cooler, God. <laughs> Gosh, my name's a secret. Um, they're yeah, eating dinner, and then train just shakes the shit out of the house, which also makes you think New York living next to the subways and Definitely. trains and all that. Well, subways are underground, but the train systems. Um, and yeah, I couldn't do that, man. Just like no. I would say, they said it was like every ten minutes or something like that, every <laughs> yeah, half hour uh, or something. Like, screw but that. But we got noise. a hell of a deal. <laughs> um, so they go back. They're um going over the case, like for greed. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, greed was bound um all but one arm and was given a butcher's knife and told to cut a pound of flesh um which he was was doing it's almost like a saw thing yeah kind like of. this is like pre-saw um, yeah pre-saw um what is it so it cuts a pound of flesh off like that and that's the thing i was thinking i was like man if i had to do i mean i have plenty that i could do but I'm like shit. But you know, like to cut off a fucking love handle, that would, <laughs> that would suck. Yeah, but I mean, the alternative um, is like cutting off a foot or an, a hand or something. Right. Would which like going like talking about the saw with with just like I'm gonna cut my entire fucking arm off. Yeah. Um. So, talking to oh, talk to the wife. The pairing is upside down oh the painting yeah i saw that too oh yeah so yeah oops i, I wonder if it auto corrected me on my phone um so talk uh, they talk to the the wife she's super upset she's like fuck off my husband died um and another clever thing because they're like well what did the wife see you know aka having the blood glasses and all that kind of stuff just one more clever clue mm-hmm. um the painting is upside down uh, Somerset pulls out his switchblade again and Mills is like, what the fuck is that? It made me laugh so hard. I'm like, what? Have you never seen a goddamn switchblade before? <laughs> he pulls it out, pushes the button, the blade flips up. He's like, whoa. <laughs> he hasn't seen <laughs> Punisher 2004 yet. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's like, it's not even the one that was like the switchblade comb. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I remember the first time I saw a switchblade comb, I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Um, Next time I'm cutting my hair again, and I need to stab myself in the head, this should be great. <laughs> Here I am dating myself again by talking about switchblade combs. Um, so they cut the post, or they cut the um, the backing off of the painting, wondering if something is inside. And then he goes up and starts to like fingerprint the wall, and then finds out that uh, the fingerprints were used uh, to spell to spell out help me yeah which uh, they don't really ever like the fingerprints tie in later but they don't really like that help me doesn't really go to anything other than just like 
it's the fingerprints of the sloth guy. It's it's a way to tie... Well, if it's the fingerprints to the sloth guy, which I kind of forgot whose they were, I mean, it's it'd be the sloth guy asking for help, but John Doe is making him do it. Right, okay. Like, he's leading them to his next victim. Uh, oh, okay, clever girl. Thank you. Using my own mm-hmm. jokes against me. Yep, but mine, that one worked better. Uh-huh. Um, so, they, um, they find out that the fingerprints match the victim of, as Justin said, the sloth, um, victim, but it leads them to victor's house uh they think that that's their guy they're gonna find him they bring swat to raid Mm -hmm. and then they're on their way there they're trading stories of whether or not they've ever had to use their service pistols um the thing that kind of cracked me up a little bit is when they get inside and they have the um the tree air fresheners hanging from the ceiling like it's old school for breeze um i don't i feel like that's not the only i thought that was like kind of creepy and haunting because it's like oh no especially once you see just how many end up being strewn Mm -hmm. about in the room that he's in it shows like just how nasty and gross this guy is and i assumed he was i forgot that he was still alive but i assumed it was just a dead body rotting in there which it practically is right that's the thing i thought too and they were using it to cover it up um i was gonna try to see if i could find i feel like that's a pretty common trope like I've, I could swear I've seen it before, um, but I, honestly, like I was trying to Google it to see if I could find something, and it was just giving me horror air fresheners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they make their way through air fresheners hanging from the ceiling. You would think to conceal a dead body, even though the body isn't dead. But uh, I mean, the way he's rotting away in there, it's you know not might like as it's well too be. far off. Yeah, um, that's like that was like a jump scare back in the day before like jump scares. I feel like were super known. Like I don't remember being like aware of that trope. I guess. Right. But I, then again, when this movie came out, I was only twelve. Um, so they find out that uh, Victor's still alive. He goes to the hospital. They're standing out in the hallway talking, and then a guy shows up, um, press, taking pictures, gets into a back and forth with Mills. Um, Mills knocks the camera out of his hands, and then when he's like, you know, you're going to pay for this or whatever, and then he tells him who he is. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm Detective Mills. <laughs> like, It's like cool. Iron Man giving yeah. the Mandarin his home address. Like. <laughs> This is me. If you want yeah, to get exa- some revenge, blow up my house, chop off my girlfriend's head, just go ahead and meet me here. Well, and that was the thing, too, because it's like that would have been a clever way for him to figure out. Well, I mean, it did help him figure out who it was because you find out later on that, you know, you can find out information about anything if you just pay uh, somebody from the police department. Yeah. Um, which is kind of sad if you think about it because if he wouldn't have done that might not have known who he was and his wife might not have been killed. Right. But then again, it's almost like John Doe's kind of like prepared for anything and like ready, like everything's perfectly orchestrated and like follows through. Um, The master planner. 
Yeah. Um, and so Tracy calls Somerset later on to kind of have a meeting. She wants to meet with him. She's like, I'm, you know, I'm sad. I don't have anybody to talk to. She's like, you're my only friend. She's stressing out because she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Fucking pregnant. Um, and yeah, that's really all there was for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that, you know, I have nobody to talk to. And then they um, they meet with the, uh, this is the uh, what we were talking about earlier in the fun facts, but uh, met with the informant who um, was kind of funny to see Bobby from Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, and um, um, what's his face from Batman Begins? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I always want to call him Harvey. Yeah. Not Harvey, but um. Uh yeah, him, a much thinner version and less hair. Yeah. Uh, so the informant that they're meeting with turns out to be from the FBI. Um, finds out that certain library books are flagged to monitor reading habits. Um, and so they're going through it all. The list is a hit. They go to knock on the door, but as they're outside of that door, um, somebody walks up with groceries and starts shooting at them and then runs. And then you have just the epic chase, um, where, um, Mills Feels like it takes about a third of the movie. <laughs> it is a decent chunk of the movie, and it's like every time that Mills is about to get catch, about to kind of catch up to him or try to, the guy standing there pointing a gun at him starts firing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I forgot, like I was like, God, is this the point where they catch John Doe? Because it's like I know that that uh, Mills wouldn't have caught him, you know, because it's almost like. It would have been a nice way to be like, hey, you know, you took off running, you're chasing, you're in the gunfight with them, and then here you have uh, Somerset taking the calmer, more logical approach. Um, and having like him going end downstairs. up like ahead of him or something? Yeah, I kind of thought, I was like, oh, is that what's going to happen? I mean, it's not what happens, but I kind of thought that that maybe would have been too on the nose. Yeah. and. Maybe it would have been if I if that was what I thought of. They're like, oh, that'd be too simple. Yeah. Um. So. They're, they 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 um, end up back upstairs, and it's like they, uh, the Mills wants to go in the apartment, but Summer, uh, Somerset's stopping him because it's you got you have to do due process. You can't just bust in there because then everything that you've worked for will not matter or become null and void because of the fact that the guy can get off on a technicality that you broke the law essentially right. um and but he so, his way in anyway yeah just boots the door in he's like okay i'm not gonna do it psych <laughs> kicks the door in <laughs> and um they're walking through searching the place um looking through different things the dude had fucking massive amounts of aspirin jars in the drawer they all looked empty so it's like does he get headaches was he trying to help with pain for other people uh, like, I can't imagine you know, him killing people that aspirin would have done a whole lot to help other than maybe thinning out the blood. Well, in the way that he um, thought of them, I'd really doubt he'd want to help them in any way either. Exactly. And so I'm like, well, what is, I mean, wonder if he's just, it's like, oh, this guy gets headaches because he's crazy. Yeah, you know, probably. back then when they had, no, yeah. Um, fucking, it, and it looked like he had almost like a little setup for each um kill so like the first little section had um a bunch of spaghetti 
Um, there was bloody books, the severed hand, um, almost like kind of like ghetto looking display cases. Yeah. Right. Um, then this is one of the more iconic scenes from the movie. I remember there's, um, two things that I remember from this trailer, um, like to this day, even 25 years later, one is when he's chasing John Doe and he does that like sideways, like bunny hop. <laughs> down to the uh, next or from the second story down to the first one mm. where he just kind of like park parkours over the side yeah. and then and then the second one is um the bed with the neon red cross over it i'm not old enough to have remember seeing the trailer so i don't remember that but it was a cool somewhat glaring Creepy. in your face hey guess what he's religious in case yeah, you haven't surprise. caught on to that yet. <laughs> yeah, something about religiousness that brings out the the best in some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and those that are religious, more power to you. Um, so then uh, Mills goes into the uh, red-lit room where the, the um, photos are being developed, and then you see that they're from the crime scenes while some of the victims were still alive. And then he gets towards the end of it and finds out that the guy from the staircase was the photographer. Yeah. Um, or, you know, puts those two together. And then, you know, he's like, that's somebody's that. <laughs> you know, we had him and blah, blah, blah. And then the phone rings inside the apartment. And then this is like... So Kevin Spacey does have a pretty distinct voice. Mm-hmm. Like, you might not be able to pick it up if you didn't know it was him the first time, but it's like, listening to it, it's like, I remember when he was running down the staircase and you can get a, you got a glimpse on the side of his face. I'm like, yep, there's the cheek wrinkles. I, you know, I can see Kevin Spacey's face. But I thought they did a pretty decent job not full, like, it was hard most of the time to tell who it actually was that he was chasing. Oh, yeah. I agree with you, um, and that's why I was saying, like, if I hadn't seen the movie, I would never have known that that was the case. Yeah, kind of like I, watching my, Phone my... Booth and hearing Kiefer Sutherland's voice the whole time, and then they show the pizza mm-hmm. guy, and it's like it's not him. Like, come on. I haven't seen I haven't seen Phone Booth. I think I saw it. I saw it once when it came out in theaters, and I don't think I've seen it since. It's that's a, a Colin Farrell, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I remember enjoying it. It's it's like an, it's like that uh, what fifteen blocks. It was another movie that I think I only saw in theaters and I never saw again. Uh, why that one stood out, I don't know. Um, so the phone rings inside the apartment. You know, um, Somerset or not Somerset? Sorry, Mills is following um, the telephone line. Which back in twenty five years ago, we didn't really have cell phones. Right. We had landlines, and so that was kind of a trip seeing. Um, he's talking to him on over the phone and was kind of like, you know, surprised that they were able to find him and that, you know, plans are going to have to change and this and that. So basically speed up, speed it up a bit. Um, then they show up at the other scene, the next scene being the lust, uh, kill. Um, they walk in all, all the build, like, it's like everything looks the same, but not, like really dark, dingy, dirty um, strobe lights, loud industrial sounding music, um, red li- a lot of red lighting, and then um, I was trying to find a way to t- 
type this out without using the word the words that I remember from when this movie was described to me like in middle school mm-hmm like, cause like people saw us like, oh man, worst part of this movie is, you know, this girl got blanked with a blank and I was like, oh God. <laughs> and, but it is the most so, disturbing one. It really is because it's like, <laughs> yeah. So just the thought of it is just, it, uh, it, it is, um, the lust kill is a prostitute, a guy, um, he was forced to assault a prostitute, with, for the lack of a better word, a, a, a razor strap on is yeah. what I'm assuming, you know, that it was like. Um, but it was almost like, like a brothel, but like a really dirty one because there, like the guy was there with the prostitute, but the building was ran by a guy who was actually a fun boy in um, The Crow. Because huh. you see, you talk, you, you talked, like he gets questioned about it and all that. Um, but the, other than that, there's not really a whole lot. You can just kind of find out. He's like, no, I didn't know. You know, like people show up with stuff under their arms all the time. Yeah. Everyone has a bag um, of something or whatever. That yeah. They're trying to hide. God. Yeah. Suitcases. People show up with suitcases. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Somerset can't sleep, you know, he's just kind of sitting there, kind of throws his metronome and then he pops out the switchblade again and starts throwing it at the dartboard. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> Um, so the next scene, uh, John calls 911, uh, calls 911 and creepily, you know, he's like, I've got, I've gone and done it again. And then they show up at the, and this one's the pride scene. Mm-hmm. And this one's kind of fucked up too. Like I can kind of see, I don't know if it was ever mentioned that like seven would be, uh, an inspiration for like saw in any way. But this one's kind of fucked up too because it's like sleep. Uh, they show up at the scene. Sleeping pills were glued to one hand, and then the telephone in the other. And it's like you can call for help and you'll live, but you'll be disfigured. Right. Or you can put yourself out of your misery, which her pride wouldn't allow her to live like that, and so she did kill herself. Yeah. Um. And I guess this is what put it over because Somerset decides that he's going to stay around. And as they walk into the station, John um, John gets out of the taxi and walks into the police station. He's like, he's all Detective Mills or whatever he's saying to try to get their, or Detective trying to get their attention. Yeah, and he's, he's covered like, in tack, blood, tack. which should be enough. <laughs> right. He's all, tack, tack, tack. Um, immediately gets just cuffed. It's like, this guy's standing here. He's covered in fucking blood. Um... He gets cuffed, and then they, he asks for his lawyer. It's like, you turned yourself in. Like, like I'm here, but I want my lawyer. Yeah. Um, so you find out um, there's two, they're two murders away and in custody, and they're hidden. Um, we'll only take Somerset and... Uh, sorry. So there's two more murders left, and he's in custody, so they're like, you know, maybe it'll stop. But then he tells them, uh, you know, hey, there's two more. They're hidden away. Um, you'll never find them unless you take me to them. But it's only Somerset and Mills. Uh, they'll never just. It'll never be found if you don't go along with it. And it's the only way you're going to get a full confession out of me, which is his way of setting up the two final kills. Right. 
well, the one final kill essentially, which is his own. Mm-hmm. So then, and you the know, reveal of what he did. Yeah, they they agree to it. They get in the, um, they start driving towards the location, and I wrote down awkward preachy car ride, which it, it really was. Like he's just sitting there, just talking shit. Yeah, but it's them, my favorite part of the off. movie. Like as soon as Spacey walks into the police station, on is like it's worth the price of admission. It really is. Um, so, and this is the note that I wrote that we talked about earlier because at this point I hadn't Googled it yet. And I wrote down curious. I, I've never been to the Northeast, but the area they take John doesn't make me think of it. It's anywhere near New York. Right. And then I did look it up and it said uh, what I did find from Google was uh, City of Devils which is the opposite of City of Angels, obviously. Um, Seven was shot in Los Angeles, but it isn't set in L.A. Um, But it said um, the screenwriter was inspired by how much he hated New York, but it is not set in New York. Neither is it set in Philly or Chicago or even... I don't know why Google said this, but it said, neither is it set in Philadelphia or Chicago or even Peoria, Illinois. (laughs) Like... I've never been to Illinois, like but maybe that's deserty with all the stuff at the end. I don't know, but it's like when you think of Philly, Chicago, you maybe think Atlanta, Nashville, like some of these bigger cities. Yeah. But well, it I is not because I P- immediately Peoria. assumed it was New York, and then the ending kind of threw me. But the idea right. that it's like a Gotham City, where it's kind of supposed to be an amalgamation of just gross cities. Right, um, Illinois, let's see if there's anything, uh, it's the largest city on the Illinois River, um, that's nice, there's, yeah, um, I don't know if there's anything significant about it, and I don't care enough to really look, I appreciate um, that. so they're out there, they get out there, they're like, you know, what the fuck's going on, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got, you got choppers circling around mm-hmm. trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And then they see a van show up in the distance. It's, you know, making its way there. Shows up. Guy gets out uh, to deliver the box. Um, he's like, you know, he's like, I, I don't know. You know, I was paid $500 to deliver this at 7, mm-hmm. even though he was a minute late. Um, sure. But it is the middle of nowhere, so true hey one minute late i will take that given the circumstances of the, of the delivery Indeed. um so somerset's over there with the uh, with the box and um mills is standing over with uh john and john is explaining how he was envious of mills's life i didn't write that right um and then john proceeds to get into mills head uh mm-hmm. just keeps fucking with him talking about how he tried to live his life uh, it didn't work out, so he took her pretty little head, and then as he's um, kind of like, wait, what? And then you find out Envy is John Sin. Right. And then it's, what's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? And then, what's in the box? It's too bad that Mills- one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the movie is now the most parodied funny thing that, like, it's in TV shows I- and shit. Right, and, like, thinking back on this, man, like, good on Brad Pitt, dude, because it's like, it took me a long time to come into my Brad Pitt appreciation. Yeah, I mean, when you look at his earlier stuff, he's amazing. 
Yeah, 100%. But like he said, like when he did Legends of the Fall, like he was just, uh, you know, he was just a, a pretty boy actor. Like uh, I never really... River runs through it. Yeah, well, I've never seen that. I've never seen Legends of the Fall. They're pretty boring. Either like a lot of a lot of those ones, I, I like. I was just like, oh, this is Brad Pitt. You know, he's just the face. Oh. Kind of like how with like back in the day with Tom Cruise, like everybody like like it was because of how attractive they were. I think and, the like, movie I didn't that really give a shit cinched about. it for me with Brad Pitt was uh, Meet Joe Black, where he's like the devil essentially. Saw- yeah, I never saw Meet Joe Black all the way through, but I, I've heard a lot of things about it. Um, I honestly don't know where it was in his, um, filmography where I was like, all right, Brad Pitt's the fucking truth. Mm -hmm. Um, oh shit. Um, I was just looking down my phone. I was like, I forgot to charge it. So this is when he finds out that, uh, this is when he tells, um, Mills that Tracy was pregnant. And then this is where he like he's just like it's like oh it's it's done did yeah. like Brad Pitt sold that fucking scene so goddamn hard yeah I, I think just, it might be one of his best scenes ever yeah because like he yeah there, it's I can't like the performance is just it's insane mm-hmm. seeing him like, break down and start to cry and yeah begging him and yeah it's it's fucking yeah. brutal. I know I'm scrolling through his um, filmography right now, and I really don't think it was like it was all right. Like I liked him in Snatch and Fight Club, sure, which were late ni- which were late '90s. That was like I was almost out of high school by that point, and I really think that it was in Glorious Bastards in in 2009 where I was like, all right, there we go, and then just everything after that. Yeah, it's a great movie. I need to watch it again. It really. I, I agree. Um, and so he's explaining it. Uh, Mills or Somerset's telling him, he's like, if you kill him, he'll win. But then I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, how could you not yeah. kill him? Like, it would take the most restraint like, in the world. Yeah. I, like, I myself have never been pushed to that point, so I don't know what I would do, but I feel like I'd have a really hard time not. Especially if you have you the know? gun. And he's egging you yeah, on, you, and, like, you're a cop who knows how to use it. And... Yep. 100%. Um, so, he drops, uh, he fires, kills him, and then continues to just... Unload upon bam, him. Bam. Yep. Unload on him. 100%. Um, and then they go, like we said earlier, they... It's where it should have ended, but then you kind of yeah. get the, you know, he's broken, we'll take care of him, and then it ends. Yeah. The soft um, landing. So, that pretty much ends it right yeah. there. Um, unless, is there anything that I might have forgot or that you wanted to add before we pop into the scorecard? Oh, I think you covered everything quite extensively. Um, all right. Well, yeah, dude, this is, I, I took a different approach to notes. I didn't want to do the breakdown of the movies like we had in the past, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I felt, I felt pretty good at this one. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much it. The last thing that I didn't talk about was the reverse credits. 
Justin didn't even notice he was saying, but normally your credits scroll from top to bottom. And this one, it goes backwards, and it's really weird to watch. Yeah. I was, I, I think by the time, yeah. once the credits rolled, I went upstairs, because I watched it at like 7 o'clock in the morning, so I woke up early, so I wanted to get some breakfast. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. Yeah. I ended it like yeah. there was more for me to say, but there really uh, there wasn't any more to say. I was hungry <laughs> and I wanted some bacon. You know, that's all there is to I, it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I know we're 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 towards the end now. We got a couple more minutes left. We're gonna breeze through our scorecards. I know because I gotta charge my phone. She's okay. about dead. Um, so we'll go ahead and dive into the scorecard. Um, I had a hard time with this. Uh, I did too. I, There's I was, a couple that I have nothing for. Um, and I like. So I, I wrote something down for everything but a dumbest moment because I don't really feel like anything was really overly dumb. No. Um, maybe aside from his over-eagerness, but that's not really dumb. That's just... Yeah, it didn't cross the line into like comical or unnecessary. Yeah. And so we'll start it out with um, Best Killer Scare. My I went with a kill... I was teetering back and forth between scare as well, so I, you know, I'll do both. So I guess the best kill for me would I, I would just say gluttony. It's, 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 it's so fucked up, man. As yeah. a person who's, I'm a big dude as it is, sure. but like, being forced to eat to that level is insane. I couldn't imagine, and then just getting fucking Spartan kicked in the stomach. Mm-hmm. That's um, brutal. And then. For me, the be- uh, my scare would probably be the um, Victor's br- uh, Breath of Life jump scare that I wasn't ready for. <laughs> <laughs> Did but, you watch but it, it in kinda, the dog? You kind of you kind of saw it coming though, because they lean in and they show his face, and it's like, yeah. okay, I know this is where this should be, <laughs> but I was like, they're not going to do it, and then they did it. And it made you scared. Mine is so uh, what's in the box because it's just the most emotional gut punch that if obviously if you've never seen it before, never heard of the movie before, once like I remember the first time I saw it and going, Oh man, like you're fucking kidding me, you killed Gwyneth Paltrow. Right. Yeah, you killed you cut off her head. Yeah, and put it in a box and had it driven to him in the middle of the desert. Right. Um my most wanted to die. I mean, I, don't I, I just one. put John. John, it's a cop out. Yeah. Like there isn't really anybody, and I feel like it's the same thing with most wanted to live. Yeah, Obviously, I mean, it would Paltrow be Tracy. Is really the only. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's like sure you could want any of the other victims to live, but it's like you don't you don't have a connection to them in any way. Right. Um. So my grossest moment would be um everything to do with the lust kill yeah um (laughs) you don't see anything about it but everything about it is just just imagining it and they show like a diagram of what it was like this giant knife i don't think it wasn't a i don't think it was a diagram dude it actually showed the apparatus with the weird fucking rate like knife tip yeah Either way, like, like, it's it's the thing that is burned into my... Like, the one... The second thing I remember about this movie is that scene. 
I forgot all about it until this happened, until mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, it's what I always um, remember about this movie. It, it's always stuck with me for whether yeah, I wanted it to yeah, or not. <laughs> um, I don't really, I don't have a dumbest moment, man. I don't either. I, I don't. Um, so we last minute decided on a, um, this week's uh, theme. And I went with uh, favorite sin themed kill. So which one of your favorite seven deadly sins uh, was your favorite um, mine I wrote down because see I wrote down uh, Wrath because of everything that how it played out and then last minute I wrote I kind of cheated and I did the combination of how Envy created Wrath Yeah, like that whole like that whole concept of just like my Envy and everything that I did because of that is going, you know, caused this. Yeah, and I didn't like, have one, so I'm I'm gonna steal yours because it's the most clever of them. The rest of them, I mean, the yeah. the pills one is pretty good, but it's a little too subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I almost didn't even realize what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But him, his envy of Mills. And leading to the wrath of Mills is just, I mean, it makes the movie. Yeah, it really does. And that's kind of what I get for literally being like, hey, we didn't have one. How about this? Yeah, but <laughs> it is so, the best one. Um, yeah, that, that really just kind of puts it over the top for me. And that, our friends, is seven in a nutshell, in mm-hmm. a very large hour and 24-minute nutshell. Um that's really all I have for that. Yeah. Um, we'll go ahead and expedite the ending here because I know it's that time. We got to recording a tad bit late because life. Sure. Um, but so given that, Justin, next next episode is your pick. Yes, it is. Um, and I will announce it with a question. Are you ready no, let us know. or not? Yeah. <laughs> was I supposed to tee? Was I supposed to tee it up in in, in a certain way for, for you? Um, no, it's ready yes. or not. It's a fairly new movie, but I'm I started watching it and could never get it finished. So I'm excited to force myself to finally watch it because it looks. Oh, awesome. I watched it. I watched it. Uh, excuse me, about a month ago, and I really liked it. What it's I saw not, of it, I really liked. I got about a half hour in and thought it was just great. So, yeah, and it's like it's not like groundbreaking or anything. It's not the first time you'll see people being hunted by other people or this or that. But no. yeah, I really did enjoy it. I can't wait to watch it again and talk about it. Yeah. Um, so until then, ready or not, we will dive into all the socials and how you can get a hold of us. Um, Justin's got his next pick. I even have my next pick, which is a listener request. So there's a tease on that. Um, Until then, you can find us on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast. Um, We got a Facebook group as well. Um, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Gore underscore pod. Um, you can find us on the horror app called Slasher, which is like Facebook for horror fans. Yeah, that um, page is really 
booming lately. Like we cracked it, a it thousand is. like within a couple of days. Yeah, we're I think we're sitting over twelve right now. Um it's catching up to the Facebook page. Nice. Um so yeah, you can find us on there. Um we've we've gotten some we've gotten a lot of requests for um guest appearances and so well how we haven't exactly talked about how we're going to do that yet it's it's not out of the question um so we'll try to figure something out along those lines it could be fun to talk to you um and then also you can email us at pod at gmail.com um yeah if um what uh, if you could do us a favor um Wherever you listen to us, if you have the ability to like, review, whatever. I mean, I know reviews take a little bit of time, and even I'm not a big fan of leaving reviews. Right. They are extremely helpful. Um, we have several decent reviews, mm-hmm. um, handwritten reviews. Uh, I believe we're up to 14 five stars, so yeah. that's incredibly helpful for other people to find us, and right. we can't thank you enough for that. But if you haven't yet please do so we'd appreciate it more than yeah i mean you don't have to write anything you you know just to click a five star and that would really help us out like brandon said it helps you know get the word out it brings our rating up you know to the top of search bars if people are looking for horror themed podcasts so anything you can do is much appreciated yeah yeah for sure we we definitely want to keep uh growing this and see where it'll take us um So, yeah, until then, um, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.